Welcome to Preparing for Robots with your host, Dave Gerber. The future of technology and your place in the workplace are addressed here every week. Now, your host, Dave Gerber. Welcome, fellow humans. I'm Dave Gerber, your host of Preparing for Robots. I'm so excited to kick off this first episode of our international program here on Voice America's Business Channel. We have a great show lined up today and we're very and a very interesting guest. But before we get started, let me give you some context about this new program series. On Preparing for Robots, we have the opportunity to talk about the impact of all things digital on your personal, professional, business, and leadership future, everyone's future. And we're going to dive headfirst into this seemingly endless and all-encompassing unknown digital revolution. I specialize in helping business leaders go after low-hanging fruit solutions to address costly pains associated with all types of organizational and personnel-related conflicts. You want to quantify how costly these human conflicts are in your business? Go to conflictcalculator.com and you'll see the cost of human conflict. So I help businesses increase collaboration, save money, and generate revenue by harnessing conflict solutions. From consulting to coaching, training and facilitation to multi-generational hybrid solutions, I provide business leaders and professionals answers to all types of people-related challenges. And as we prepare for robots, humans are going to have to maximize their performance, increase their creative problem-solving skills, their conflict management abilities, and better adapt to the changing business landscape. We're talking about losing 50% of jobs in the next 10 years. What does this mean? Well, my goal and with this show is to help bring the discussion to life so that corporate boards and executives, leadership, and professionals can better understand what is coming and what to consider. How do we help professionals become the best version of themselves to help our businesses prosper? We have to look at the digital world, simplify the conversation, and all be a part of the discussion. So I'm here to help streamline the complex digital subjects with the help of content experts. Let's hear what they want us to know in all ways that we can understand. We don't often pay attention because it can be super technical. It sometimes even make our brain hurt, AI, AR, VR, all of it. And it's all seemingly crashing at us at the same time. So how do we make sense of it? That's what this program's all about. And we can help leaders from all different business industries consider the issues and then have them facilitate the discussion back in their organization. So let's get started. So I'm really excited today. We're going to kick off the first show by talking with the, about the amazing impact of artificial intelligence on our society and our businesses now and into the future. And our guest is a foremost expert on the planet, and he's worked with many organizations, including branches of law enforcement at the highest levels. And it was my belief that this would be a good tribute to those lost on September 11th with the anniversary that we have tomorrow. We can remember those lost and the families impacted by continuing to do good work on behalf of America and the rest of the world. And I hope this show and future episodes can be a part of that plan. But with respect to AI, many have predicted the, the fear and fear the end of humans. You know, Now, I'm so excited to speak with uh, an expert who can tell us whether this is fact or myth or, or anything in between. Dr. J.T. Kosman is our featured guest today. He's a data scientist, a mathematician, and a psychologist. He's been recognized by his peers and professional associates as one of the world's leading data strategists and experts in applied artificial intelligence and cognitive computing. JT has hunted terrorists for international for U.S. intelligence agencies, tracked criminal networks for the FBI, advised on analytic strategies for the Department of Defense, and so much more. And prior to all this, JT served as a paramedic, a police officer, a deep sea rescue diver, a team leader of an elite scout sniper reconnaissance team, 
with the U.S. Air, uh, you know, Army Special Forces. I mean, this is just an amazing guy, and I'm so excited that he's going to be our first guest on the show. So welcome to Preparing for Robots, JT. How are you, sir? I am great, Dave. Thanks for inviting me to the show. Yeah, you know, I'm really excited, and thank you for your service. You know, when it was decided to have this uh, Preparing for Robots program, and it was going to start right before 9-11, I knew you were the, the guest to have. So, like I will say, every week we are here to simplify and talk about the impact of the digital revolution on humans, and we could spend hours diving into your amazing and really interesting background, but we have to get your insights on artificial intelligence. Are you ready to help us simplify this, you know, for international business leaders and professionals? Let's give it our best shot, Dave. Awesome. So then why is this important for business leaders and professionals to be talking about artificial intelligence right now? Well, you know, there are a few things I think are more important for us to be talking about. Let me, let me give you a little context. Let's imagine it's September 4th, 1882, and you're working in Manhattan. Not just anywhere in Manhattan, you're working on Wall Street, number 11 Wall Street, the home of the New York Stock Exchange. This is a time in U.S. history where buildings are still heated by coal and lit by lanterns, and the primary mode of transportation is fueled by hay, and don't get me started on the exhaust. But today, September 4th, 1882, just a few blocks away on Pearl Street, where it intersects Fulton, a young entrepreneurial inventor by the name of Edison is about to flip a switch. And when he does, he lights up one square mile of lower Manhattan, ushering in the electrical age. Now, imagine what it would have been like not to be in that mile, but to be in the dark looking toward the light. That's where businesses are finding themselves right now. Hmm. Forrester Research is projecting that businesses that are able to take advantage of AI, IoT, big data analytics are going to be taking $1.2 trillion dollars from their less informed peers by 2020. We're talking about six quarters from now, we will see the biggest economic shift in the history of the world. And most companies are not ready for it and are going to be the ones that 1.2 is taken from. And we know who the winners are going to be, right? It'll be the Fortune 5, it'll be the FANG companies. I've made it my mission in life to make sure that doesn't happen, that we're able to right the playing field a little bit. So yeah, this couldn't be a better more important topic to be talking about right now. So, so really what you're saying is, and that's what's so great about this show, is that there's so many aspects of the digital revolution that we really need to be talking about. And the first part of it is sort of like a, a new level of consciousness. Like we have to sort of see that this, you know, as I like to say, this digital tsunami-sized baseball bat is coming, and we need to be sort of preparing for it. So when it comes to, you know, and I know you have a lot of specialties. In this case, when it comes to artificial intelligence and knowing that it's going to shake up basically every industry for those listeners who are business leaders and professionals who in, in all different kinds of industries, why do they need to be paying attention to AI specifically? Yeah. You know, in your intro, you had mentioned that uh, there's such complex topics that they'll make your head hurt. And, and I'm going to argue with you on that. There's complex jargon. There's complex nonsense. There's a lot of people hiding behind terms, behind hyperbole. But at the end of the day, these are, if not easy like concepts, they're simple concepts. They're, they're elegant concepts. And it's something within the grasp of anyone listening to our show right now. Uh, these are things that they can and should understand. And what I would like to really get across is, in answer to your question, the reason they should be paying attention 
is the status quo isn't going to work anymore. You're going to have to embrace uh, a new mindset. Uh, you know, I, I will make the announcement here. I just joined the firm of Grant Thornton. Uh, I'm going to be leading a lot of their efforts in this regard. And they have a phrase there that I absolutely love, which is moving past the status quo onto the status go. How do you put this in operation, in effect? How do you get hold of these ideas, these concepts, and put them to work for your organization? And it's something any business of any size should be able to take advantage of the impending AI evolution or revolution, depends on how you think about it. Well, first of all, congratulations. That's a fantastic opportunity. I know from talking to you that you, you are very excited about it. And it sounds from the little that you shared that it's that you're, you know, that it's going to be a great opportunity for you to not only influence um, the industry, but lots of people on, underneath you. Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, I don't know that they're underneath me as much as they're alongside me. We have an absolutely sure. Uh, <clears throat> The, yeah, uh, collaborative, of course. People are working there. But more importantly, you know, our clients at Grant Thornton, and that's why I, I was courted, you can guess, by a number of different entities and organizations. But what really attracted me to them is most of their uh, clients are in the Russell 2000, right? They're those mid-strata companies that tend to get overlooked and ignored too often. Everyone attends to the Fortune 500, to the FANG, but no one's taking care of the middle and the little guy. And mm. that's really Grant Thornton's mission is to be able to give them the same service, the same capabilities as the biggest companies on the planet, whether that's in tax advisory, in audit, in whatever area of service. And so I'm right. supposed to be sort of a logical extension of that with technology. Okay. That's, that's fantastic. So, you know, we, we've said this phrase, artificial intelligence but it, I know f- one thing that you like to do is sort of define it because it seems like there might be uh, several different definitions going around about what it really is. Can you do that for us? Yeah, let's, you know, and let's do that. Let's define and demystify it. You know, I, whether they're right or not, uh, I tend to be on a list of the top people in the field of applied artificial intelligence. So take it for what it's worth when I say, I'm not really sure what people are talking about most of the time when they're talking about AI. We attribute AI to everything and to nothing. AI, in my best definition of it, is getting computers to do the kind of stuff they do on TV and in the movies. And that's it. It it sounds flippant, but that's really true. Hopefully more like Star Trek and less like the Terminator or the Matrix. Yeah. But really, we're trying to get computers to understand us, to be able to communicate with us, to be able to solve problems. And to be able to learn and think and get better, really, at the end of the day, artificial intelligence is just a blanket term that encompasses a couple of fields, primarily machine learning, robotics, IoT or Internet of Thing analytics, and signal processing, some of those areas. But really, that's what it's about. And so when you're talking about a natural language processing, and so when you're talking about artificial intelligence, what you really need to know is what dimension of it are we talking about? Are we talking about machine learning? Are we talking about natural language processing, a combination of those things, IoT? What areas are we talking about? Mm-hmm. And then it's talking about, so how do we enable the machines to be able to augment our abilities? And, you know, a uh, final point on this, I tend to think of AI in most, in a business context in particular, less as being about artificial intelligence than about intelligence augmentation. To me, uh, the graphic you have for your set, by the way, is absolutely perfect. 
That's what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be a symbiosis, symbiotic technology, technology working with and enabling people. And fortunately for us, what the machines are best at are the things we're worst at and vice versa. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So if we think about business leaders across different industries, is there some aspect of artificial intelligence you think that everybody just needs to understand and grasp so that they can then go back and sort of facilitate better discussions within their organization about how to begin this discussion and sort of this new consciousness around, you know, which is really going to shake, you know, culture and every aspect from the inside? Yeah, you know, I think the fundament of, of artificial intelligence right now, the thing people really need to get their head around is machine learning. And machine learning falls prey to more jargonization than anything else. And, and in my humble opinion, people tend to hide behind uh, these abstruse terms and this arcane recondite language uh, because they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, the, you know, I, I'm a big uh, fan of Einstein's, of course, and uh, particularly fan of his when he said, uh, if you truly understand something, you should be able to explain it to your grandmother. And, you know, assuming your grandmother isn't a CIO of a company currently, you should be able to explain it in terms she'll understand. So that said, machine learning, believe it or not, is as simple as this. Traditional computing operates under the paradigm of we take data, we take rules, and it gives us answers. Data, rules, answers. Machine learning simply inverts these two points. Data, answers, and it gives us rules. Believe it or not, that's machine learning. What I mean by that is, when we're talking about traditional computing, we put in a bunch of data, and then we say, find us a 30 to 50-year-old white male who makes between X and Y and who lives here and drives this kind of a car, and it gives us the answers. That's terrific. What I do when I invert that with machine learning is I say, here's all the data. My best customers, and here's the answers, look like this. They have all kinds of things going on, right? We can talk about their spending habits, their, their profile, their, anything about them. Give me the rules now of what I should be looking for. So your best customers have this in common. So data answer, and it gives me the rules. That's machine learning. Now, there are different approaches. You can take a supervised, unsupervised, a reinforcement, or what's called a human-in-the-loop approach to machine learning. But at the end of the day, that's really what it's giving you. So if we were giving homework, if you will, right, um, everybody's sort of going back to school uh, and just gotten started back to school. If we were giving homework and you would say business professionals, leaders need to sort of do a little bit more investigation into machine learning? I would say so, but I would say they also need to understand what comes before that, right? Uh, It's staggering to me how few people know how to code. And I'm of the belief that everyone should be able to code. And in fact, uh, I'll teach you to code in under two minutes. And I'm not kidding. If there are any uh, people who code who want to chat in, tell me if I'm making this up. All of coding comes down to this. If, then, do, while, else and booleans. That's it. If this happens, then do that. If then, do this. While this is happening, do this, else do that. If then, do while else, and booleans. And for booleans, of course, you have to learn all of Boolean algebra. Ready? And or not. 
That's Boolean algebra. If you can learn those things, those basic concepts, then you have a, a complete understanding of coding, if then do all else, Booleans, the different languages, they're all the same. Whether you're talking about C or Python or Ruby, it doesn't matter. They may use different syntax. They may use a semicolon instead of a space or, or a curly brace. That's all nonsense that you can pick up. If you learn that kind of thinking, then you can think algorithmically. Then you can think computationally. Then you can better appreciate and understand what the computers can actually do. That's the fundament of computing. And by the way, I'll teach you the entire language of SQL, structured query language, select from where, Booleans. So think of it as, as an Excel table. Let's select whatever columns we want from whatever table it is where we meet these Boolean conditions. Person equals L plus this plus this. You've now got all of coding and a coding language behind you. All you have to do now is go out and not be afraid of it. Play with it. Try to break it. Try to do some exercises. There are so many freely available, wonderful courses, uh, uh, mechanisms you can work with online. So, that, I mean, this is awesome. So, in our first episode, we're simplifying all things digital. We're looking at artificial intelligence. We're even getting some heads up on the bridge with respect to learning how to code, which I never thought we would talk about. But when you talk about it and simplify it for someone like me, it's, it becomes intriguing and something I feel like, you know, our listeners could actually go and look into a little bit. So it's time to take a break to hear, from, uh, you know, important messages from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to ask JT's opinion on Elon Musk and a few others that have warned that Skynet is coming and that AI may take over the world. Should we be worried and why or why not? I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Learn more about Dave's keynote speaking and podcasts, Preparing for Robots, The Conflict Healer, and Pre-Marriage Questions. Check any of your normal podcast sites, his LinkedIn page, and his websites, DaveGerber.com, DaveGerber.info, and PreparingForRobots.com. Synergy development and training helps leaders maximize human performance with standardized conflict management and professional development solutions in order to increase retention, save money, and generate revenue. Go to SynergyDT.com and use the conflict calculator to learn about your organization's human conflict costs and find out what our training programs can help you do about it. That's SynergyDT.com to learn more. Or email Dave Gerber questions and thoughts to questions at SynergyDT.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Preparing for Robots with Dave Gerber. If you have a question or comment about the show, Dave welcomes your comments by email to questions at SynergyDT.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots and the Voice America Business Channel. We are here with our international audience and my very knowledgeable guest, JT Kosman. Before I go to him, though, check these statistics out. And I'm going to give you more throughout the show. By the end of 2018, that's this year, customer digital assistance will recognize customers face by face and voice across channels and partners. By 2018, this year, 6 billion connected devices will proactively ask for support. And by 2020, a little over, uh, you know, two years from now, 85% of customer interactions will be managed without a human. We're talking about these issues and more. I'm back with JT Kosman. JT, Elon Musk and a few others have warned that Skynet is coming and AI may take over the world. Should we be worried and why or why not? You know, I, I'm currently working on an article uh, that I tentatively titled 18 Reasons Why When It Comes to AI, Elon Musk is Full of Crap. And I, I might have to work on the title a little bit because I'm already up to 25 reasons. But you know what? It's, it's nonsense. Uh, it's worrying that the machines are going to get so smart and so capable they're going to take over. It's like wondering if, worrying if you train your dog too much, he'll steal your car. Uh, this is not what, what these capabilities are about. You have more to fear, truly, honestly, from your toaster than from this technology. Uh, someone can always dump your toaster in the tub with you, and, and it'll give you a good talking to. But uh, uh, the AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, that's not what it's about. And even if it were, even if that were possible, you, Technology, artificial intelligence, first of all, is there's three different uh, uh, strains or, or flavors, if you will, that we can talk about. Narrow AI, general AI, and super AI, right? And so narrow AI, that's what we do now. And narrow AI has a very particular purpose. You want, you're using Siri or Alexa to be able to access some data. You'll be able to look, you look through documents using a natural language processing capability. It does the task it is able to do. It's no more generalizable than any of the other technology in your life. What we're looking to do now and all the research, and I mean pretty much all the research, is focused in narrow AI, in, in task-specific artificial intelligence. General artificial intelligence is when we talk about generalizable abilities that make the technology as smart as us, uh, which I'll argue uh, uh, it's not artificial intelligence we have to worry about. It's human stupidity. But when we talk about even if we were to build that artificial intelligence, it could think on the same level we are, so what? Uh, you, if you were willing to or interested in doing it, could go around your town and kill all the cats. Well, you don't do that. Why not? Because why would you? And why do we assume if we created a general artificial intelligence, it would also have to be not just as smart as us, but psychopathic? Uh, I'm a shrink. I'm here to tell you that uh, all that chatter about there's a fine line between genius and insanity is nonsense. There's a very stark line. Einstein wasn't a serial killer. Neither was Newton. Neither were, you know, any of the great minds of history. If we create an AI that has that level of intellect, we have nothing to fear. The final flavor is super intelligence. When it becomes so much smarter than we are, uh, when you approach what uh, uh, is being referred to as the singularity. But again, there, there are, we have to look to the motivation. We have to look at what its intent would be. And never minding the fact that that's 100 
200 years off into the future. And so uh, I think we should be more concerned with ensuring our planet is safe in the interim than that. But also let's consider moving away from the types of AI. What are the true threats to humanity? You know, in the United States alone, we lost almost 40,000 people last year to automobile accidents. Mm-hmm. Worldwide, the number was 1.25 million. Sure. Accidental deaths or avoidable deaths as a consequence of medical misdiagnosis and issues in hospitals are approaching over a quarter of a million in the U.S. Heaven knows how much globally. So let me ask you a question. Let me jump in here and ask you a question then based upon that. So... As I listen to you, and I and I want and I do want to push back a little bit, not from a, um, a content knowledge position, but just from I think some voices and what people would say, and I want to hear what you have to say. But it sounds to me like what you're saying is that in many ways, when I listen to what you said earlier about the vocabulary of all things digital, in some ways it sounds like you're saying this is a distraction. I it mean, absolutely is. It's it's a non-issue, you know. Um, uh, about a year ago, I wanted to get back in shape, and we had a couple over the house, and my wife was telling my friend's wife that uh, she's sending me to the gym. And my friend's wife said, oh, you should go with JT. And he said, oh, I don't want to end up like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I told him, you don't want to end up a Republican governor of California? Uh, <laughs> that's exactly the perfect analogy with AI. It, it not only are, by the way, those of you who are worried about going to the gym because you'll end up you know, like a buff uh, bodybuilder, it's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. Uh, get to the gym. But on the other side, it, it, it has nothing to do with your becoming governor of California, right? Uh, and that's really what we're talking about. It's a complete distraction. It's and, and all due respect to Elon Musk, he's a very bright, very capable guy. I've met Elon on a couple of occasions. Um, Trump wants a wall. Elon wants a moat. Elon also happens to be uh, one of the biggest single personal investors in artificial intelligence and technology. And he says he's making those investments so he can keep an eye on the industry. Well, that's ridiculous. If he wanted to do that, then invest in guns or tobacco or something. Yeah. So essentially what it means is that friend, as a conflict guy, as a conflict expert, when we think about this issue, it really can help us to reduce some of the stress or the physiological human responses to feeling overwhelmed or frustrated within a business to try and tackle or talk about or communicate about these issues because essentially what you're saying is there's nothing to fear here. And if there's nothing to fear, it can reduce our hesitancy as business leaders and professionals to want to engage, not only in terms of thinking about how to run our businesses and grow high-performance teams and those types of things, but also how to better engage our clients and better even treat our employees as customers and clients themselves. So what are your thoughts about that? You know, and here's where I'll put on my shrink hat. And in doing so, I'll borrow the phrase, the famous phrase from FDR. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. If these things concern you, then understand them better. What we tend to be afraid of more is the darkness, is the mystery, is the unknown. So let's take the power out of it. Let's talk about what makes these things up, what they're really capable of. Understanding tends to drive away fear. Now, I was going to share this statistic when we came back from our next break, but it seems, you know, I think the we'll call it the other side of what you're talking about would argue that when you look at things like 6% of all jobs in the United States gone by 2021, 
When you look at um, 38 to 55% jobs gone in the next 10 to 12 years, when you look at 800, supposedly 800 million jobs globally gone, and when you look at companies within uh, countries like China and others, and probably ours too coming, you, you know, you have uh, 40,000 foot warehouses run by three people. You have 10 to 30,000 robots that are uh, taking the place in factories. So what, is, what are your thoughts about people whose concern is employment and loss of jobs and all the things that are related to that? And I know that's a huge question, but what are your thoughts on that? You know, that's a very real concern. And we are going to see some discontinuities and displacements, but it's like, it's nothing we haven't seen throughout history, right? Uh, one of the most profi- the most common job in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Seattle, when my dad was a kid, was the job of stevedore. Do you know what a stevedore is? Most people don't even know what it is. They were the people who picked things up and put them down, taking them on and off of ships. We replaced them with forklifts. And with container ships, right? I'm old enough to remember when we had elevator operators. My my brother worked at an airline reservation center where people had to call in if you wanted to get a ticket on an airplane. Uh, we've had all these jobs that tend to evolve over time. You know, Joseph Schumpeter talked about it as creative destruction. We tend to lose these things as a consequence of technology, but we have always historically created newer, more, better jobs. People were able to replace themselves with a plow that they could put behind a horse, then with a tractor, now with AI solutions that are able to do it. One of the things that people don't talk about when they talk about this job loss, and and the numbers you're citing uh, derive from what's called the Oxford study. A couple of economists up at Oxford, very bright, very capable folks who derived all these numbers and made these projections, but they forgot one of the most essential elements of AI, and it's what we call Moravec's paradox. Moravec's paradox basically says computers are great at things people are horrible at, and people are great at things computers are horrible at. If I ask you for the cube root of 3,256,000, it'll take you a minute or two. But if I ask you who's better looking, your spouse or your spouse's best friend, you better be able to answer in about a second. But if you ask Alexa that question, she doesn't even understand the question, right? And she'll tell you she doesn't know. That would get me killed if I said that in my house, probably do some damage to most of us. What we have to do is look at these technologies as enablements, as better enabling us to be able to do what we do. They're not going to take away jobs. They're going to take away the portions of jobs that people hate. In most jobs, most people, because it's boring, because it's tedious, because it's redundant, because it's dangerous, 80%, 90% of what you do during the day, you don't want to do. That's not the true value add. It's a Pareto. The true value, the 80% of value comes from 20% of your efforts. The machines liberate us to do more of that, more of the things that are uniquely human, curiosity, insight, context, perspective, wisdom. They let us be more human. So, I mean, I think it's a fabulous set of thoughts that you share. And I, I obviously there's, I think there's so many questions in the subject. It's like trying to count the number of stars in the sky, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's endless. So, you know, we talk about AI and and automated vehicles and I'm going to have somebody who's going to come in and talk about their experience with that. That's not really my question. I think there's a, a, 
a distinction in our socioeconomic distinction that this is going to hit. And in one, for one example, what I understand is the number one job now in the United States for men is truck driving. Uh, and I didn't know that until I did some research. And now I say, okay, well, as soon as we have self-driving trucks, which if you already watch the, the local garbage truck, which now sticks an arm out and grabs the, you know, the, the trash and moves it back, as soon as there's self-driving trucks, we're talking about everybody from, you know, delivery companies to everything that are going to be gone. How do you, when you talk about the creation of jobs, what about the people who maybe have been driving trucks for 20 years or, you know, or longer, and now they have, they don't, they can't drive anymore. What about those jobs? You know, it's interesting you bring up truck drivers because there's currently a dramatic shortage of class one drivers in the United States. I think we're about 50,000 drivers short. Wow. There aren't nearly enough to go around. And so you have to sort of balance that challenge with saying, okay, so who's driving the trucks now? And shouldn't we be able to create those opportunities? You also have to remember that uh, while the technology tends to move in quantum leaps and steps, the implementation tends to take longer, right? So we're not going to see driverless trucks propagating the highways next week, next month, probably not even next year or the year after that. And therein lies, right? Do we sit and do we wait? And do we, uh, the greatest enemy most people face in their lives and in their businesses is inertia, is sitting and waiting and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. Get an opportunity to get ahead of the curve. Now that said, will there be job loss? There will be. And uh, frankly, my heart goes out to them. Uh, as a society, are we going to have to start having a serious conversation about a universal basic income? I think we will. Hmm. And, um, I'll tell you, when I first started thinking about this, uh, President Obama it's, uh, did a, a wonderful conversation with Joy Ito from MIT. You can avail, uh, get yourself uh, uh, the video online. It's I think it was in, in partnership with Fast Company. Uh, and he talked about this, and I've since done quite a bit of research myself. I think that's the way we're going to move as a society, is having a universal basic income, not welfare, but to be able to tell people you can take care of the basic uh, uh, needs of life, and like AI does, liberate them to do more of what they do. Think of how little education we have now in our schools around art, around music, around philosophy, around all those things. Why is it a bad thing for society to be able to liberate some guy from having or some woman from having to drive, you know, a thousand miles from here to there just to operate a truck when I, we can take advantage of how much more they have to offer? I think part of the challenge is we, we unfortunately, society, think of a truck driver as a truck driver. And people are infinitely more complex, more dimensional than that. What else do they have to contribute and how? And if we could liberate them from that work, how else might they be able to contribute to the overall society? Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, you know, I once, you know, met a monk who was at a toll booth who was, you know, doing his studies and, you know, who would have thought that, that you would have that experience? So I think you're right. And I think it, it it's going to, and this is one of the things I talk about, it's going to, uh, allow us to bring the creativity, the problem solving, the emotional intelligence, those sides out of our human experience, which I think is going to be our, our value and our sort of our return on investment to businesses in the future. And so 
Here's what we have to do. We need to take a quick break to hear important messages from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to look at a few questions, including a few more statistics that I want to throw at JT and see if they're fact or myth or where we are and in between. When we come back more on AI and its impact on pretty much, well, everything. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Learn more about Dave's keynote speaking and podcasts, Preparing for Robots, The Conflict Healer, and Pre-Marriage Questions. Check any of your normal podcast sites, his LinkedIn page, and his websites, davegerber.com, davegerber.info, and preparingforrobots.com. Synergy development and training helps leaders maximize human performance with standardized conflict management and professional development solutions in order to increase retention, save money, and generate revenue. Go to SynergyDT.com and use the conflict calculator to learn about your organization's human conflict costs and find out what our training programs can help you do about it. That's SynergyDT.com to learn more. Or email Dave Gerber questions and thoughts to questions at SynergyDT.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Preparing for Robots with Dave Gerber. If you have a question or comment about the show, Dave welcomes your comments by email to questions at SynergyDT.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. Great to have you with us for more. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. We are here with our international audience and my very knowledgeable guest, JT Kosman. JT, uh, you know, there's a few statistics that I want to run by you. I've read that AI is going to radically disrupt the economy and push a lot of people out of jobs, and we started to get to that a little bit before. I've seen some very interesting numbers that um, might suggest this is true. Let me share with you a little bit from the research and get your feedback. As I mentioned before, by 2021, supposedly 6% of all jobs in the U.S. gone. By 2030, 38% to 50% gone. Uh, 800 million globally. Interesting statistics, which maybe we'll even circle back to. By 2027, I've read that 50% of our workforce will be freelance workers, which will have a huge ripple effect on HR and everything else. Uh, And so from what I've seen, Anyone making less than about $40,000 per year and not in a human touch related field like teaching or nursing in 10 years is gone. What, what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, uh, I, I tend to be dubious of, of those sorts of numbers. You know, Gartner did some interesting research in this regard, and they said that they expect there'll be about, I think it was 1.5 million jobs lost as a consequence of AI over the next 10 years, but a 2.3 million job gain. Uh, And so we're talking about a net gain that most of the people who are looking at this topic seriously are able to see that, yes, some of those jobs will go, however, will gain higher paying, higher 
rewarding or more fulfilling jobs in their place? Uh, are people still going to be uh, lamplighters and, and rat catchers and boogie whip manufacturers? No, uh, but they are not anymore anyway. And so are we going to see some of those jobs that are, uh, frankly, many are dehumanizing. Uh, many are jobs people don't want. I just had a, a great conversation, bizarrely, just this morning with a guy whose entire job is cleaning the bathrooms at the conference center I was speaking at today. And he, he doesn't love his job. It doesn't fulfill him. It doesn't enrich him. Sure. But this is a complex, interesting guy. We ended up having coffee together. We spent an hour and a half chatting about philosophy and music and art. This is a really interesting, great guy. Mm -hmm. Giving more back to society if we trained a robot to clean the bathrooms for him. Mm -hmm. I, I think we can. And I think we almost are obliged as humans to start looking at more of this. I think that almost goes to that statistic that I read about 2027, 50% of the workforce be freelance. So if there's an infrastructure of freelance, now this gentleman has the opportunity to maybe capitalize on other skill sets through, and that's what I'm doing with, you know, the creation of webinars that can then, you know, for someone like that who has, you know, interests and talents and other things that they want to be able to share back with, with the world. So, yeah, I mean, we're to... What else, though? What's the dark? What's the dark side? What's the part you're not telling us? It sounds real rosy. So, you, <laughs> you know, know I, I'm neither a dystopian or a utopian. I tend to be a realist about these things. And as I say, there are, is going to be disruption. There are going to be people who get left behind in the wave, uh, and there are going to be. I think the real danger is not to people at an individual level, but to businesses. Uh, we are going to see a wave of companies that are just swept away. You know, I read a book 23 years ago by Daniel Corton, uh, and uh, it was titled When Corporations Rule the World. And when I read it, I thought, what a bunch of dystopian nonsense. It was all I could do to read the entire book, but I chugged through and I decided if I'm going to commit to this thing, I have the same uh, uh, ethos that Bill Gates has when it comes to reading books. If I'm going to start it, by goodness, I'm going to finish it. And I chug out, you know, three, five books a week doing just that. Uh, and in this, he talked about the idea that in, he pointed and said, 25 years from now, uh, we're going to see a handful of companies that are more powerful than governments. We're going to see consolidation in industries where single companies hold sway over their entire industry. And I thought, what piffle. And then I started thinking, this year about Facebook and Amazon and Alibaba and Netflix and Google and Microsoft. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And, yep. you know, what I would say to all the people who are watching now is, guess what? If Amazon, Google, or one of these guys isn't in your industry, it's simply because they don't want to be yet mm -hmm. because it's just not profitable enough for them. Once they can make it more profitable, they're coming for you. They're coming to your industry. And if you want to be on the right side of history, on the right side economically, you better start taking these things seriously because that's not for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee, and it'll be tolling soon. Three years from now, the economy will be fundamentally different than what it is right now. So we're really talking about the need for business leaders and professionals to really be circling the wagon, so to speak. And starting to have these discussions and the sort of the impact uh, and all the touch points on each uh, element of the business, right? That's exactly right. And, and there's no need to go it alone. You know, uh, I, I was just 
sharing with a friend this morning that there are four things I never make compromises on. Lawyers, doctors, accountants, and spouses. Uh, I think if we're going to add a fifth to that, find yourself a tech Sherpa. Find yourself an advisor. Find yourself somebody who can give you some insight. Uh, frankly, send me an email. I'm the only doctor left who still makes house calls. Uh, drop me a line. Drop me an email. I'll be happy to chat with you about some of your challenges and what's going on. Let's see if we can figure out a path forward and a strategy. It costs you nothing, uh, but you have to invest in yourself. You have to reach out. You have to educate yourself. You have to connect to people who have some insight in this space. You have to find guides and people who have seen the road ahead a little bit and can help you more safely navigate it. Yeah, I think that's a really huge point. That's what I'm trying to do with this show. Uh, you know, I think about if you ask somebody to, what does quadrillion dollars look like? <laughs> you know, it's it's just mind-blowing, right? So it's like, uh, you know what? I don't even want to think about it anymore. I'll just put it away. It's not here yet, you know? And I think, you know, and maybe, you know, there's lots of business leaders from across different industries. So maybe if you could just share with us Moore's Law, and how you see, you know, because we're talking about five iterations of Moore's Law or more but between now, really, it's, it's, it's about just about six yeah. iterations of Moore's Law between 2030. Talk about that. Yeah, uh, you know, that's really what's driving AI. There's only three things that drive the current uh, incarnation of AI. And we've been talking about AI, by the way, for 50 years, 60 years, 60 years now. And it's had ebbs and flows. And so people often ask me, is it real now and why? And it's absolutely happening right now. In fact, there's been more progress made in AI in the last two years, in the last six months than collectively in history. And why it's driven by three things, size, speed, and smarts. The size is the amount of data available to us now for analysis. There's cur- there, by 2020, we will have 40 zettabytes of data available for analysis now. What's a zettabyte and what does 40 zettabytes look like? Well, if you were to count up every grain of sand on planet Earth, multiply it by 75, that's 40 zettabytes. That's how much data we now have. Wow. If you talk about speed, um, you know, uh, Intel did an analogy a couple of years ago. And they said if the first microprocessor they developed in 1974, which, by the way, was the same year as my wife's first car was a VW Beetle. Mm-hmm. If that VW Beetle from 1974 evolved at the same pace as technology, it would now travel 300 miles an hour, it would get 2 million miles per gallon, and it would cost $0.04. Cents. That's how fast things are moving, and they're moving exponentially faster. That's what Moore's Law is about. It's a doubling, and we keep seeing this doubling over and over and over again, and there is no end in sight currently. Everyone talks about will Moore's Law reach an asymptote, reach a point where it doesn't accelerate? No. Uh, It keeps going. Will it go forever? Probably not. But it certainly will go for at least a few more iterations. And then smarts. Smarts are about the algorithms we've created. More sophisticated, more able to be able to give us insights than we ever thought possible. And all these things, what's, what's ironic and interesting to me is not only are these things available, they're available at little or no cost to everyone. Uh, the, data, the data sources that are now available to everyone, the U.S. government database is a database of databases, and I think they're currently up to 140,000 databases that you can access for free. The open source 
ethos that has pervaded the tech community makes all this data, not all of it, but enough of it, more than enough of it, available to you for free or virtually or very little cost. The speed, um, uh, uh, Google has just made available now through their, uh, what are called TPUs, TensorFlow processing units, processing capacity that if I were to ask you to solve uh, a floating point operation problem, uh, what's 327.235 doubled? It'll take you a second or two. A TensorFlow processing unit, one that's available, by the way, not even from Google, but the core i9 chip uh, from Intel can now handle a trillion of those problems a second, one trillion a second. It wow. would take you, if you solved each of those problems in a second, 31,700 years, it can f- do it in a second. Google's making available pods that combine 64 of these TensorFlow processing units together to be able to solve those problems at one second each would take you 365 million years. So I, as I, things are available to us. So as I hear these statistics, I think to myself, you know, if you're a business, right? If, if you're a person and you your golf swing stinks, you get a golf coach. If you are a professional and you need work with leadership development or conflict, you get a conflict coach or you get an executive coach. It seems to me that business leaders really need to be thinking about just like they allocate, you know, funds for IT, you know, problems that are going to happen, that they really need to be thinking about, I need to get somebody in here who's smarter than me that can look at my business and help give me consulting feedback on, on how to do this because we're talking about impacting every, every piece of the business. And most people, executives, all the way project managers, program managers, human resource managers, they don't have the, they don't have the fluency or the vocabulary. And as adults, I think in many ways, it's too difficult to go and learn this whole new piece. We don't have the personal bandwidth for it. So if, if somebody, if a business leader in the audience were listening and thinking about, wow, this is fascinating. Um, I need, I know clearly I didn't understand or I got most of it, but I know that I need to take action. I need to move on something. What's one thing real quickly, because I have some other things I want to ask you that you want them to do. You know, I, I think that analogy is, is spot on. And it's coincidentally, now that I'm working with Grant Thornton, Grant Thornton's a big sponsor of PGA. And so mm-hmm. I was just out with them at the Players Golf Tournament a couple of weeks ago and made exactly the same point. And that's the point I would make here is you would never think to go on the pro tour without a good coach, a good caddy, and the right clubs in your bag. And really what these technologies are about is not replacing you. They're augmenting you. They're helping you get a lay of the green to understand the course, look at what challenges you might have with your swing and putting better clubs in the bag to suit your particular needs. Awesome. Okay. So uh, I come to these lightning round questions that I'm going to start with you and I'm going to ask all my, my guests are real fast and then I'm going to take us out here before I let you go. No pressure, just fun. One thing you love about technology. That it lets me be more me, that it, 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 it sates my inner curiosity and lets me let my mind wander and, and nothing is impossible. Awesome. One thing you dislike about technology that my grandchildren are better at it than I am. <laughs> if you could have a robot do anything for you, what would it be? Uh, 
You know, I've been very happily married for well over 30 years, and it's all based on just three things. Uh, and I told my wife, my son, the same advice. Bring flowers for no reason at all. Apologize even when you're wrong, uh, even when you're right. And the third thing, I have no idea, but spend the rest of your life figuring it out. Man, if a robot could help me figure that one out, I'd be happy. Awesome. Real quickly, summarize, what will humans do in 30 years if they, all these jobs have disappeared and shifted? I, I think it depends on us, and it's wholly up to us. It could be uh, watching Blade Runner or Minority Report, and it could be ugly, but I think we're on the cusp, on the verge of a new renaissance. I think this is going to liberate people to be people, to be able to attend to the things that people are meant to attend to, to relationships, to love, to music, to art to philosophy, to conversation, to enjoying themselves. The purpose, you know, I had the great and rare privilege of once meeting the Dalai Lama. And while I was speaking to him, someone asked him almost half-headedly, what is the meaning of life? And the meaning of life is happiness. Let's try there to you go. That. There you go. Happiness. That's a great way to end uh, the first show. We're all out of time this week. Hopefully we've energized you on a Monday and for the rest of the week as well. This has been an amazing first episode, really, um, and I'm looking forward to this series of Preparing for Robots. Check this out. Dealing with human workplace conflict, communication, emotional intelligence, creative problem solving, and leadership issues. The ability to do these well is the future for business humans, for businesses, professionals, organizations. That's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to show our impact. If you have questions, send them into questions at SynergyDT.com. Tune in next week for our show where we might look at the impact of digital on crisis management, self-driving cars, maybe financial service industry, higher education, or what's going to happen to healthcare. We might investigate how the massive disruption on human resources will take place and what we can do about it now. Wishing every human on the planet a great day today and a jump start to the rest of your week. You've been listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. I'm your host, Dave Gerber. I love you, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Preparing for Robots. Join Dave Gerber next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy the week.